<laughs> My name is Dr. Fabrice Robert Lubin, and I am a clinical psychologist. I am Rachel Wagoner, and I am a clinical therapist, and welcome to Mindful Chatter. This is where we keep it real, keep it relevant, catching up with one another, and most importantly, catching up with you. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Fabrice. How are you doing this very fine day? Today, I I woke up and I had a, a lot of anxiety. So this weekend, I'm going to Baltimore for my grandfather's service. So I haven't been able to sleep that well this week, and the weather's been like really fluctuating. So my allergies are acting up, and I have to travel, and I have to figure out like when and where I need to go, and I need to pack, and I need to find a dress. And so I'm feeling a little scattered in terms of today um, in my personal life. Um, but professionally, I'm very excited to talk about our topic today. Um, but I wanted to check in with you first to see how you're doing. I've been doing all right. I've been feeling a little bit worn down. Kind of part of it is relating to the the topic I think we're going to discuss today, which is conflict. Conflict. I feel like it's been something that in particular this week I've had to kind of wear it like a a cloak that was first outside of me. So the conflict first was like outside things that didn't involve me and then ever so slowly it just kind of got closer and closer and closer until suddenly the conflict was within me in my mm -hmm. bones and it made me just feel just slower and just kind of confused and directionless mm. and just kind of lost interesting um i guess reflecting on conflict in particular for me, conflict brings about a lot of different emotions. A big one is anxiety, and another one is anger. And I've told you before, anger is actually one of my favorite emotions because I actually know what it is like right away. There's no doubt in my mind what emotion I'm feeling when I'm feeling angry. Um, and conflict is something that definitely brings that out in me. So for me, in my body, my heart is racing. My stomach kind of turns into knots my hands start to shake and then my face gets flushed. So I feel really hot. I feel like a rush of energy through my entire body, a rush of adrenaline whenever I get into conflict. It doesn't matter where where the conflict is, whether it's you know at the grocery store and someone cuts in front of me and I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, you just butted in front of me, not cool to an actual like verbal conflict with someone that I really care about, the same thing happens for me. The degree of it is a little bit different. Um, I think it's amazing how you're able to kind of relate to anger in such a kind of direct way. <laughs> for me, I find myself at times not being able to hold anger well at all. Mm. I look for opportunities though to feel righteously angered and righteously in like a place of being upset so sometimes my my quick metaphor would be when i know direct racism for example like if i i'm at a store and i hear someone just like berating another person and they just throw out like some overt prejudice or stupid comment and then i can think to myself i'm allowed to be offended and i'm allowed to be upset right now interesting so you have to find the permission to be able to feel that way instead of just you feel something and you're like okay i feel this 
yeah, often when anger or conflict comes up within me, I'm almost shocked that it's there. And I think I want to inherently almost even suppress it or transform it into something else, Mm. which I think is common for a lot of people. Absolutely. It's one of those emotions that people don't like to feel. Um, And whenever I tell anybody that actually I like anger and it's not that I like to be angry, that's not it at all. I just like it because it's one of the only emotions that automatically I know what it is. So then I can kind of do things to not suppress it, but to work through it. Of course, there are moments where you will suppress it or I will suppress it because if I'm having a conflict with a friend and we're at a restaurant, maybe not the most appropriate time to be like, listen, (laughs) (laughs) you made me pissed off and this is why. (laughs) I think one of the things that has been enjoyable in getting to know you has been how well you deal with conflict within yourself and how well you're able to just do it at a moment to moment basis. I've really appreciated that about you. Mm -hmm. You don't hold on to things very long. At first it's very jarring to be in the presence of you because you'll say something like, Fabrice, pay attention. And I'm like, huh? Oh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't paying attention at all. And then maybe you'll even see me try to step away from that admitting. And I'm like, I was, I was definitely looking, Rachel. I was definitely there. Okay. And then and then I realize in those moments, it's not that you're angry with me as a person or that you're disappointed in me as Fabrice. But ultimately, you just wanted to draw attention to a particular behavior or thing, and you needed something from me. Mm. And all I had to do is just comply with whatever it is that you're asking for or engage you in it, and then we can move on to the next thing. And you're not going to carry it within you. Whereas for me, sometimes I think I often find myself suppressing those mini conflicts Mm -hmm. and just trying to always put a nice little bow on them or just think to myself like, you know, maybe maybe this person really didn't mean to do that. Or, you know, maybe maybe what they're really trying to do is this. And then I'll just do that for, you know, two weeks. And then eventually they do that one, one random thing that has nothing to do with even a conflict at all or something that shouldn't make anyone upset. And then I'll just vomit out all of this feeling. Sure. And I don't even know at that point where it comes from or what it is. It's... I appreciate you saying that you think I handle conflict well. Um, I think for me, when conflict approaches me or when I see a behavior or when something bothers me, like what you're saying is you take that and you kind of like shove it down and you shove it down into like the bottom of your being. Whereas mine will sit at the very surface. It's like oil and water. The oil is floating to the top and that is my anger. And with anger in particular, I cannot push it down. It's like trying to push oil down to the bottom. It's going to float back up. So what I will actually do and what I actually have to do in order to breathe and calm back down is I try to address it. But there are times though, where yes, I can address it in an appropriate way and it can be healthy and something great can come from it. But there are times where it will come out where I haven't actually thought of the words. I haven't actually thought of the appropriate thing to say. And maybe it's more of a lash out, which can also cause damage. Um, Instead of just sitting with it, processing through and saying, 
hey, Fabrice, I need you to listen right now because I'm really trying to get a point across. And, you know, sometimes if I don't have that calmness to it, it's like, Fabrice, seriously? Like, you never listen to me. And this is so frustrating. That voice, though, when you go into that mode, it draws your attention. It does. And so in some ways, it's kind of reinforcing, right, to to eventually get to that place. And I think that that's the thing that is so fascinating about conflict is how intoxicating it is. It mm. literally can change our behavior, how we react to things, because ultimately we just want to be heard in right. some way, in some form. Yeah. So even as I'm suppressing my own conflict, my desire to be heard is still there. It just like comes out as, here's some lemonade versus here's all of this vitriol poison that I've been feeling <laughs> deep within me. I wonder too if there's any, and I think it would be important to, to kind of get your thoughts on, are there even cultural dynamics at play in terms of gender, in terms of how, what is it to be a very vocal person who's upset and a woman? And for me as a male, I know that at times, especially a male therapist, at times I'm constantly checking in with myself and thinking, what's the sensitive way to be right now? It's interesting. I, I had this. Um, I had this moment as you're asking me this question. In coming from being a, a feminist myself, I had this moment in session with a man in particular who made an anecdote about saying that he was the coach of the football team and he owned the or not the coach. He was the owner of the football team, and I was the quarterback, which means he owned me. And Whoa. in that moment, Whoa. I my it wasn't anger it was actually rage and there are very moments in in society where that rage will boil up if i feel like someone is dismissing me because i am a woman and will not hear me because i am a woman and i should not state my opinion because i am a woman um and it, it happens in dating too sometimes where people see this basic blonde woman and they're just like oh well she's basic she'll be quiet she won't say anything and then they get to know me, and that's not me at all. I'm very opinionated. And complicatedly beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. But it's interesting you say that because it's true. I think that in those moments, though, I feel like as a woman that I need to stick up for it. I need to be loud. I need to assert my opinions in those moments in order to be heard. And that's why I think in moments of conflict, when we aren't feeling heard, we talk louder when we feel angry, our voice is going to be raised because we want to make sure these people are hearing us. So that kind of makes me think of this. What I want to know from you, in all honesty, when you're really in a state of conflict and it just goes abysmally, you're just handling the situation just terribly, what does that look like for you? It looks like reacting and not thinking about what I'm saying. It looks like my voice is being raised. I might say something that's maybe not really passive aggressive and just aggressive. Mm -hmm. I might call out things that they did to me to maybe even out the pain that I'm feeling. Well, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's always a good one to go to. My memory mm -hmm. is so incredible when it comes to things that other people have done to me. Mm that I can just pull out things from just years ago or weeks ago 
And I've just been sitting on it, mm -hmm. just waiting for that moment just to strike. And Here's just, the oh, time. Ready? Oh. Floodgates. <laughs> yeah. Talk about hypocrisy. Let's do it. <laughs> what are some things that you do? One of them is, is that the other thing I do is I go into a high-minded defensiveness. Mm. So I'm such a pretty well-read person. And what ends up happening, I think, is as a poet and someone who's used to being in a position of you know, supervisor or clinical therapist, I'm used to bringing into the space just this, hey, well, well, actually, let me tell you what you meant or what was going on. So, you know, as I reflect on it, one of the worst things I feel that I do when it comes to conflict is completely and literally just avoid it. I sometimes will avoid conflict, but with my anxiety, it will then again, as I was saying, it will sit at the top. Like at the, I literally feel it like at the top of my throat. Like I need to like get it out somehow. There will be times though where I will avoid it to figure out, okay, you know, the saying of pick, choose your battles, pick your battles. And then I have to decide, okay, is this really a battle that's worth going into? Is this maybe my bad day being projected onto this person and they actually didn't do anything wrong? <laughs> and how do you know? How do you differentiate that in real time? Because things happen so quickly. Yeah, and I wonder if that's maybe some reasons why we avoid is to try to let some things maybe calm down so that we can decide if this is something that was just a bad day or if it's an ongoing pattern of behavior that our partner or a friend is displaying that's really getting to us. For me, at times it's, I don't want to hurt anybody. And I, I keep thinking at times that, you know, there's, there's this idea of energy being neither created nor destroyed, you know? So I look sometimes as conflict being something that once it's there and you recognize it, whether it's like at the, your throat or it's a situation that happened and you're really feeling it, you have a choice at that moment. Either it's gonna to be to carry the conflict within you or have the conflict out in the world. Either way, you're not going to avoid it, really. You're going to have to sit with it. One of the, the things I, I tell my guests at times is I'll say, okay, you can, have the, you can have one conflict. You can have the conflict of telling the truth right now to your partner or to this person that you're struggling with. Or you can have the conflict of what it means to lie and hide it. Mm. But either way, you're not getting out of this without conflict. Right. The conflict is going to be there no matter what. So I think that it's interesting. Like, what are the, I don't know, what's the damage that's done when we hold on to the conflict and we avoid conflict? And then what's the damage that's done if we kind of get that conflict out there and we have maybe unhealthy communication in a problem. Well, the conflict that I hear when people try to embrace it is that they may not have the tools or they may not have the skills necessary at that moment in time to translate conflict in a way that's healthy. Mm -hmm. So kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, it comes out impulsive, it comes out rash, there's maybe no intention to it, 
we're not checking in with ourselves or figuring out whether or not it's baggage or not. We're just kind of spewing. I want to kind of dig into a conflict that you and I had. Would you like to take that journey with me? I am buckled in already. <laughs> so we had a conflict that happened um, right after I got back back from my trip. And uh, we were in here and Alan was in here and we were trying to record and we were just kind of missing that day. And um, I felt very unheard. I felt, I actually recall that you didn't really even ask me about my trip. And then we get in here and you're like, so like, what story are you going to bring for the podcast? What are you going to, what are you going to bring to this, to the table for this podcast? My intellectual high-mindedness, yes. <laughs> Instead of actually, because we do have a relationship outside of the podcast and outside of work, Instead of asking me like personally, like, hey, Rachel, like, how was your trip? So I felt very hurt. And I actually like I shared that with you in that moment because I I don't know if you remember seeing it, but I actually like shut down and I was shut down and I was processing how am I going to approach this conflict that I'm having inside of myself with Fabrice? Because you didn't know it was a conflict yet. No, I didn't. And that's partly because I was so absorbed in my own internal conflicts mm. that were happening in my own personal life. Right. So here I am kind of lost in my own sense of damage and what I need to repair and how am I going to explain my hurts to other things and other people. And I remember when you were talking about this, that my heart started immediately beating and elevating. And at that moment, I caught myself realizing, okay, Rachel is my friend. She's an important person. She supports me. Anything that she's saying or anything that's coming out of her mouth is most likely coming from a place of vulnerability or real goodness. Mm. And so I felt all I needed to do in that moment was just own how you were feeling and not try to defend it or run away from it. So it's interesting the roles that we played there, right? So you had no idea that I was feeling this way. So I was fighting with that conflict inside of myself and you had no clue. So that was in me. And until I actually brought it out and presented it to you, then you realized, oh my gosh, like. Rachel's hurt and maybe upset with me for whatever it is. And that's the nature of all of us is that we can get so preoccupied with our own thoughts. And this is where I think mindfulness is such an important kind of skill that we need to develop and can enrich our lives and our experiences. It's backing up from our story and looking at it as such, as just a story that we're telling ourselves. For you to be able to tell me about your conflict, you had to recognize, one, that you were experiencing tension, that you needed something to say, and two, that you could actually express it to me and that you knew I needed to hear it. And in that space, I think we're looking sometimes as conflict avoidance can quickly turn into connection avoidance. Yeah, and I think that if I had not in that moment or in a moment soon after, shared that with you. I think that that's something that would have built up and built up and built up and created a disconnect. My disconnect from you 
and you might not have been aware of it. Maybe there would be things here and there that you would see, but unless I actually tell you, you'd have no idea. But if I keep it inside and I avoid it for so long, then that disconnect is created and that damage is done and you would have no idea to be able to help repair it because you can't read my mind. Completely. And even having Alan in the room, for example, when you were describing just feeling disappointed in that I wasn't connecting with you in this way, I immediately felt, well, what if Alan is judging me too because maybe he feels a similar way. So now I felt exposed and looked at and cornered and my heart's racing and I don't know what to say and I'm really actually sorry or maybe not even sorry but it's like a sense of I want to own this because I want to continue to have great relationships with the both of you and I didn't have the words I didn't have the exact path to say the right thing and all I could do at that moment was just say yeah you know what you're right that's how I've been and I really don't want to continue doing that thing anymore. Integrity is about embracing conflict. You can't have integrity and avoid conflict at the same time. To have integrity is to walk into a situation and to say, this is how I feel about this thing. And I'm not going to try to control it. I'm just going to let it be present. I'm going to let you know how I am. So it's speaking your truth, surrendering that outcome. And as we do that, that's how we build real confidence, which is the fidelity with ourselves, by you kind of owning your experiences, owning what you were feeling internally, and sharing that with me, it gave you a chance to honor what you were going through, and it gave me a chance to actually show up for it and create trust that you can bring stuff up to me again, mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna freak out on you, or I'm not gonna judge you, or I'm not just gonna be defensive. And so I really, I really loved being able to share that conflict with you, honestly. Yeah, I think that it was a great thing for, for our relationship. But I wonder when there are times where we are not our best selves, we've had a really bad day, we bring up conflict to a good friend or a partner or what, what it is, and they're also having a really bad day, and they lash back out at us. And I wonder how much damage that does. So in all of this, what I adore is that the process of change isn't about being the best person every single time in any given moment. The process of change in mindfulness is really about as soon as you can recognize, as soon as you can recognize something is happening, potentially that's the best time to change direction. We get so attached, I think, to... I could have just continued to be defensive or I could continue to yell or I could continue to go down this road versus being in a space where I can stop, look at the person and acknowledge, hey, actually, we're not really even connecting at this moment. Mm -hmm. Let's take a pause. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think it's important to you know, share in moments of when we are feeling disconnected from people. I think a big thing is too, though, when we bring up conflict, we can't control how the other person is going to react or what they feel. And they're allowed to feel whatever they want to feel. And a lot of times we may avoid conflict because we don't want to hurt that other person. 
but in doing so, it does create damage still nonetheless. So we can avoid it and it will cause damage or we can bring it out right and do it and maybe try to do it in a productive and healthy manner. And it might not cause as much damage, but it still might cause some. And it's okay because no matter what, we're going to have conflict. It happens. We're all people. We all think differently. Yeah, that diversity of mind and our spirit. And so I move into a space, and I think we do this great within our talks and dialogues on mindful chatter, is moving into a position of rather away from evaluation and more into description. This is how I feel. This is what's happening. This is what I'm noticing or observing. Being mindful of all of it. Yeah, and then having the capacity to say, do you feel the same way? Once again, going back to what you were saying earlier about non getting away from this idea that we can read a person's mind, mm. that we can't. We don't know how a person's feeling. We don't know what their internal reaction is. And therefore, it's so important to just slow ourselves down and really just ask and check in with ourselves and with the other person. Are you seeing this for the same way that I'm seeing it? The way that I'm describing it, is that matching with your, your version of events? And being mindful of our bodily reactions, our heart racing, our, our stomach turning into knots, like that rush of adrenaline through our bodies. And those might be indications depending on your development of how you handle conflict. Like when I was younger, I would lash out and I would get very angry very quickly and be kind of like very quick too. You wronged me and this is why, and you're wrong and I don't care how you feel versus now where I'll feel that I'll know it's coming on. And then I will try to take a deep breath and frame it in a different way that is much more productive where I'll actually say, hey, Fabrice, I feel like in this moment, you don't care and you didn't even ask me about my trip. And instead, all you care about is this podcast and you don't care about me as a person instead of maybe another way. There is this moment with Aveline where we were driving and I asked her about reading and I said, okay, when we get home, we're going to do some reading practice. And she goes, daddy, I don't really like doing reading practice with you. And I almost, I almost just stopped the car. I was aghast. I love reading. What? <laughs> How could this be? How dare you? And I, so I go, what, why would you not want to do reading practice with me? And she goes, well, that's because you yell at me. And I was like, well, well Aveline, I, I very rarely ever yell or raise my voice at you. And she goes, that's true. She was like, but just because you're not yelling doesn't mean you're not throwing a temper tantrum. Mm. I just, I couldn't even say anything after that. <laughs> was, all right, I just got owned by my six-year-old. So. <laughs> but it, it brings to mind kind of what you were saying that at times we may not even realize that it may not be overt signs of yelling. It may not be overt signs of distress that imply conflict that these things can sometimes be very, very subversive, very hidden away from us. And part of what we need to do is to slow ourselves down, examine the situation, take a step back, realize that we can step into the discomfort. None of us are going to die. It's not going to rip us apart. And maybe something new can happen. And it makes me think of this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He described in this, this letter to the APA, this idea of creative tension or creative maladjustment that by embracing the conflicts that we see in front of us, it actually can serve as an opportunity 
to create and develop something new, something that hasn't been there before. And I see this all the time in, in therapy or in my life, where by, or even just with our situation, by us embracing the conflict of, hey, you never asked me about my stories outside of the podcast. Now we started to make lunch hours where you and I just talk together and we just share and stuff. And it's made our bond much more real and vital. And that's been amazing. And that wouldn't have happened if you weren't willing to go there with me. I think that that proves that there is such thing as good conflict. Conflict can be good to open up space to get things out. Um, I always talk about whenever we push things down and push things down and push things down and there's no room left for it to go, you're right, it's going to be an explosion. But if, kind of like a shaken up soda bottle, we kind of open the cap up and then we close it. And then we kind of open the cap up and close it and release some of that air, some of that emotion, or some of that conflict, it's going to allow not only us to feel better, but also allow the person to actually know what's going on for us so that they do know and they're not just reading our minds. Not to mention that we're really discussing the difference between anxiety and worry versus actual fear. So anxiety and worry is this anticipated version of something that you think is gonna happen to you. Right. When fear is really meeting the situation as it is, whatever that fight or flight response is, at least on some level, you know what to do. So I think by looking at conflict as something that we can kind of move into very slowly and with intention, then maybe we can figure out a real reality for hey, is this a relationship that's sustainable? Hey, is there anything that we can do about it? Mm -hmm. Is there any real way to progress that would mean that things can get better? And it's important to think about too, how do we repair after damage has been done? Because not always is there going to be a therapist sitting there with you and when you have a fight about the dishes or when you fight with your parents about something bigger, when you have um, people in your life that are unhealthy relationships. So I think there is... A, I mean, we can put boundaries in place with unhealthy relationships, which is something we can talk about another time. But there's also ways to repair damage when damage has been done in conflict. So some ways is acknowledging what we did, not saying, well, you said this, this, and this, because that will just take the conflict and take it to the next level. But that's my favorite go-to move. <laughs> Sorry, not going to be helpful for repairing. It might create more damage. Uh. So instead, it's actually claiming what we did in that moment and saying, you know, I came to you with this thing. I was very upset about work that day. I don't want to make excuses, but I do want to say that I just handled that wrong. And I'm sorry for what I did to cause the damage in this conflict. And notice that you're using that kind of descriptive language, not evaluation, not labeling. I don't think it's important to say, I'm an idiot person and I'm this dumb person who messed up this really huge thing, but more to say, I was really feeling upset. I was really feeling caught up in something and maybe that's why it came out wrong. Yeah. So we start at the beginning with the mindfulness piece of checking in with ourselves, of being very aware of what's happening in our bodies. Then we also think, okay, am I avoiding this? Am I about to lash out at someone? And then from there, if we lash out, let's say, we can repair by using really healthy and good language of saying, you know, I'm sorry for the damage that I caused. And taking responsibility versus trying to find fault. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast about conflict. If you have any questions about conflict or any other comments, you can send us an email at mindfulchatterpodcast.com. Alan is the wonderful producer of this podcast. He's the one that uses the guitar to strum at your heartstrings. If you want to hear more of his music, go over to soundcloud.com slash Vibes. That's C-I-L-L-I-A-N Vibes. Because we've gotten such great feedback, we're going to up our game for you and we're putting out an episode each week. They're going to come out each Saturday. We just made the weekend a little bit better. A little bit better. And other awesome news, we're also going to put up our website. It's going to go live by the end of the week. So go ahead and check out Mindful Chatter. Nope, just (laughs) mindfulchatter.org. We just made the internet a little bit better. We're going to share lots of fun resources on there. Uh, We're going to share any cool articles and let you know of any new things that are going on. As always, you can subscribe to our channel on iTunes as Mindful Chatter. We're also up on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Mindful Chat. We're on Stitcher. Woo, Stitcher. (laughs) And we're also on Twitter as at Mindful Chat. So go ahead, check us out and let us know if you have any topics that you'd like us to chat about. This has been Mindful Chatter. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.